This is Save the Nation with Eric Kelly. President Trump's disapproval ratings at an all-time high. COVID-19 cases in the U.S. are on the rise, and the discussion and criticism of mail-in voting continues. I'm Eric Kelly. This is Save the Nation. We've got a great show lined up. Glad you're here. It's strange time here in the United States. Doesn't really feel like there's much about the states that is united. And to add to that division, there's no lack of labels that are being tossed around. Conservative, progressive... Libertarian, socialist, nationalist, populist. See, we're encouraged to be this or that. I belong to this group, this party, this set of ideas. It's become party over country. I'm right, you're wrong. All or nothing. It's my way or the highway. We're seeing this play out right now in politics. Just this past week, a police reform bill passed in the Democrat-controlled House. This bill is soon expected to be held up in the Republican-led Senate. See, this tit-for-tat bickering and partisanship, it's like a bad relationship. I mean, think about a good relationship, any relationship, business, romantic. You know, for that relationship to be successful, there has to be compromise, balance, a middle ground. The Cambridge Dictionary defines a relationship as the way in which things are connected or work together. How's our relationship, America? How are we doing on working together? I'd say not great. I'd say it might be a little time for some professional help. Some counseling, a little therapy. Now, I'm not a therapist. My background has been in the radio industry. I worked in both conservative and progressive talk radio, and I heard the arguments from both sides of literally the class. One of the stations I worked for back in North Carolina had literally two station studios, the conservative and progressive stations, right next to each other in the same hallway. And dividing those two studios was a piece of soundproof glass, so each show, the host, could see into each other's studios. I always found that funny. They both would go live every afternoon at the same time, studios right next to each other, talking about the same news topics of the day. And you would hear two totally different views and arguments. Same issue, different angles. And I think that's good. I think that helped shape me. I heard the left speak to an issue one way, and then the right speak to that same issue another way. And I knew that somewhere in the middle, somewhere between both of those narratives, was truth. Now, all over this country, there's plenty of conservative talk radio, and there's no shortage of liberal voices and left-leaning talk shows. But Save the Nation, this show, aims to be that middle ground. We're here to talk about the issues at hand and cut through the crap. We're here to cut through the prepared political talking points, cut through the partisan agenda, and have a real discussion with some real ideas. Truth. Here on Save the Nation, we're going to talk. We're going to listen. We're going to learn. We're going to argue. We're going to compromise. And we're going to grow as individuals as Americans, as a country. Winston Churchill once said, when there is no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. We Americans are not always going to agree. Heck, most of the time, we're not going to agree. But that's okay. You like strawberry ice cream, I like chocolate. We don't agree, but that doesn't make you my enemy. We still like ice cream. 
Politically, you may lean one way, I might lean the other. We don't agree, but that doesn't make you my enemy. We still love this country, and we want to continue to make this nation the best it can be. I hope you'll join us in this conversation. Tweet us, find us on Facebook at Eric Kelly STN, or log on to our website, erickelly.org. Coming up, we're going to jump right in. A lot going on. It is an election year. Just this past week, the president's disapproval rating has soared to an all-time high. We're here to talk about that and more. We'll be right back. Some of the latest polling from the New York Times and uh, Siena College this week shows Joe Biden with a 14-point lead over President Donald Trump. The president's disapproval ratings also hitting a record high of 58%, according to a NPR-PBS NewsHour Marist poll. And in an interview this past Thursday in The Atlantic, former 2016 Republican presidential candidate Carly Fiorina announced her intentions to vote for Joe Biden, saying she's been discouraged by President Trump's conduct in office. She said, quote, I'm encouraged that Joe Biden is a person of humility and empathy and character. I think he's demonstrated that through his life, and I think we need humility and empathy everywhere in public life right now, and I think character counts. Now, if you remember back in the 2016 election cycle, then-candidate Trump was under fire for criticizing Carly Fiorina's appearance. If you remember, he said, look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? Can you imagine that? The face of our next president. So I can imagine the relationship between Fiorina and the president isn't exactly the strongest. Although surprisingly, back in 2016, she did in fact vote for President Trump. Now, I don't know how much weight this all has, Uh, polling and personal endorsements. I'm not sure what kind of influence that has on individuals and how they end up voting or not voting for a specific candidate. And after how terribly inaccurate the pollsters were back in 2016, I personally don't think that the polls have that much merit either, other than being talking points for the political strategists. Plus, who exactly are they polling? Have you ever taken part of one of these polls? Get on the conversation. Tweet us, Eric Kelly STN, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Eric Kelly STN. I personally have never been asked to take a poll like this. So call me a skeptic, but in my opinion, these polls really don't carry a whole lot of weight. Now, as far as the national attitude, polls aside, uh, towards President Trump and his recent handling of current events... I would suspect that there's a growing number of people who aren't exactly approving of how things have been handled lately in this country. I think we can agree that the past few months have been rather tumultuous, challenging, eye-opening, and during difficult times like this, like we've been facing, an opportunity can present itself, an opportunity to show your best qualities, to show your true colors, to show leadership. George Floyd, a name that we all unfortunately know by now, his death has been the catalyst for historic protests and riots around the world, which, for the record, are not interchangeable. Let's get that straight. There have been protests all over this country and even across the globe, peaceful and also some that are, shall we say, a little more lively. 
And there has been rioting, looting, criminals taking advantage of a horrible situation and making it worse. Worse for their communities, worse for this nation, and most importantly, worse for the millions of people who are coming together to have their voices heard. But to be clear, those are two separate things. And it's been disheartening to see that there are so many people on social media, the news, and even personal conversations that I've had try and lump those two things together. They're trying to lump those two things together in an effort to discount the genuine protesters, the people who are exercising their First Amendment rights to legally voice their anger and frustration about what's been going on in this country. Now, yes, rioting and looting has been happening across the nation. And that's unfortunate. There's no place for it. It should be condemned. And it should be prosecuted, just like any other violation of law. But the looters at a Target, or a liquor store, or wherever else, should not overshadow the fact that many Americans, white, black, and every other color, are coming together to speak up about something that they believe to be a real issue. President Trump's tone on this whole Black Lives Matter movement and the unnecessary use of force by the police has been one of strength, law, and order. He's said it many times. He's very vocal and proud of his stance. And I think that's been a big disservice, not only to his reputation and national approval, but I think, frankly, it's a little tone deaf. Listen, any reasonable American sees a need for law enforcement. As a society, as a country, we can't function without laws and the enforcement of said laws. It would be complete chaos without some form of law and order. Now, I know you've heard these calls to, quote-unquote, defund the police, which, frankly, is a very misleading term for the proposed changes local governments are looking to make within their law enforcement agencies. And that's a whole different conversation. But the president coming from a place of strength works great when you're dealing with your enemy. After the 9-11 terrorist attacks, the United States demonstrated its strength and the power And we let the world know that no, we won't stand for this. We're not going to be pushed around. We used our very powerful military and our allies to put our foot down. And that's what you do when you're having to deal with an enemy. But when you're dealing with the emotion of your fellow citizens, emotions like anger, sadness, frustration, fear, you can be so much more impactful if you come from a place of empathy. Empathy the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Now, sure, Trump has spoken somewhat about George Floyd, and I truly think that he was displeased about what happened in Minneapolis. I don't think any normal, decent American felt like the death of Mr. Floyd was warranted or justifiable. And collectively, I think we were all pretty outraged. But following George Floyd's death was protests and riots. And I think this country would have been much better served if our president genuinely spoke to the American people and said, I hear you. I see you. There's a problem. And I'm going to do my part. I'm going to work across the aisle. We're going to work in a bipartisan way and enact legislation to prevent situations like this in the future. See, just a simple change in your tone can make a world of difference. The way you approach situations like this, the tone that you have, 
can be just as impactful or even more impactful than the words that you say. Coming up, COVID-19 is on the rise across this country. Local governments are scaling back and even reversing some of their reopening plans. What are some of the successes and failures of this whole health crisis? Join the conversation, Twitter, Facebook, at Eric Kelly STN and erickelly.org. We'll save the nation when we come back. back to Save the Nation. I'm Eric Kelly, and we are talking about the 2020 election and the lead that former Vice President Joe Biden has on President Donald Trump. Right now, about 14%, if you believe recent polls. And the explanation for this lead that Biden is currently enjoying is attributed to President Trump's handling of recent events. COVID-19 cases are on the rise across many states. There's been a lot of criticism and discussion on this, And frankly, I'm getting tired of hearing about it because it's just been nonstop coronavirus coverage for months now, and we're all just kind of fatigued. But there have been failures. For instance, the lack of PPE, personal protective equipment for medical personnel, or the slow rollout of the COVID-19 testing. And to be fair, there have been some good strategic decisions made as well. For example, invoking the Defense Production Act to force American companies to make ventilators We have no shortage of ventilators should a drastic increase in demand for them arise. But the fact remains, COVID-19 cases are on the rise in this nation. And it would be totally unfair to solely put that blame on the president and his administration. At the end of the day, people are people and they're going to do what they're going to do. Some folks haven't been following the recommended guidelines when it comes to the reopening of states. And let's be honest, do we really believe that reopening wasn't going to lead to a spike in cases? I mean, everyone's been locked up at home for months. And once you let them out, we're going to do what people do. We're going to mingle. We're going to socialize. We're going to get together. And that is going to lead to an increase in cases. The conversation this week has turned to masks with the hashtag real men wear masks popping up all over social media. Here's Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi on ABC This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Is it time to mandate the wearing of masks across the country? Oh, I definitely long overdue for that. And my understanding that the Centers for Disease Control has recommended the use of masks, but not de- demand, uh, required it because they don't want to offend the president. And the president should be example. You know, real men wear masks. Be, be an example to the country. Uh, and wear the mask. Not only to, it's not about protecting yourself; it's about protecting others. Vice President Mike Pence was on Face the Nation this week, talking with CBS correspondent John Dickerson on why there hasn't been a federal mandate on mask wearing guidelines. Take a listen. One, one of the one of the one of the elements of the genius of America is the principle of federalism, of state and local control. We've made it clear that we want to defer to governors, we want to defer to local officials, but Mr. Vice and President, people should listen to them. The virus doesn't know federalism. A virus that hits in Texas is in New York tomorrow. This is a problem that requires a coordinated national result, which is what these outbreaks are showing. Now, there have been several failures when it comes to COVID-19. There have been decisions made that perhaps were not the right decisions, or they were too soon, too late. 
And that's bound to happen. Democrat, Republican, no person or administration is going to make perfect decisions 100% of the time. And no one's going to be 100% happy with the decisions that are made. At the end of the day, the government is going to do what the government's going to do. In the foreseeable future, I see local and state governments continue to open and close, release restriction, reimpose them. It's now clear that many of our leaders are not equipped with the know-how to lead us through this health crisis. The thing that's going to make the biggest impact is A, a vaccine, and B, you. The decisions that you make to wear a mask, not wear a mask, to go to a crowded place or stay home, to skip that opportunity to wash your hands, these decisions that you make are going to determine how this country moves forward. It's going to determine when we can fully reopen and when we can get back to quote-unquote normal. See, it's always easy to sit back and blame the government. And believe me, there's plenty of blame to be had. But when it comes down to it, as with many other situations in life, if you're going to sit there and wait for the government to solve your problems, you are the problem. We'll be right back. Election Day 2020, just over 17 weeks away, candidates President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden are campaigning nationwide, making their pleas to the American voter amongst the coronavirus pandemic. Campaigning is a little bit different this year than in years past. And election night might be a little different this year, too. In a recent USA Today article, Joey Garrison points out that election night might become election week. He writes that many states are expected to turn to mass mail-in voting. Now, this is a topic that has been of concern for President Trump. Garrison warns, unless there is a clear and decisive winner, brace for an election week or weeks, not an election night. In recent weeks, President Trump, who has self-admittedly voted by mail in previous elections, has been criticizing mail-in voting, going as far as to say it has, quote, tremendous potential for voter fraud and for whatever reason doesn't work out well for Republicans. His critique of mail-in voting was echoed by U.S. Attorney General William Barr. When governments, state governments start adopting uh, these practices like mail-in ballots that open the floodgates of potential fraud, uh, then people's confidence in the outcome of the election is going to be undermined. And that could take the country to a very dark place if we lose confidence in the outcomes of our election. So experts are warning that there might be a great deal of controversy among not only the presidential election results, but also smaller state and local races as candidates point to vote by mail fraud as a means to invalidate the outcomes. Have you ever voted by mail? Do you have confidence in the mail in voting system? Tweet us, let us know, and check out Garrison's USA Today article on our Twitter and Facebook pages at Eric Kelly STN. And be sure to tune in next time on Save the Nation. Writer and author Larry Atkins and the editor and writer Julie Mastrini from AllSides.com join me to talk about media bias and how the information we consume is affecting the way we think and perceive the world around us. It's a great episode, so make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform for more Save the Nation. Save-